tell you, what a, what a great message. Jesus is Lord of all. King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus is Lord of all. There was a man, his name was Tom, and he had some pain. He wasn't sure what was wrong, but he was just feeling pain in basically his whole body. And he thought, I need to get this checked out. I hate going to the doctor because they just tell me something's wrong, but I need to go and find out what's wrong. So he goes to the doctor, makes an appointment, and he, he gets there, and you know they ask him the questions. He fills out the forms, and he's pretty nervous because he still just feels like his whole body is just full of pain. And so he gets into the doctor, and, and the doctor says, well, kind of tell me what's going on. And he says, I just, you know, Tom's like, I just have this pain. It's all over my body. I can't figure out what's going on. And so the doctor says, well, Tom, show me where it hurts. So Tom goes, ah, man, that hurts so bad. I don't know what's wrong with me. And he says, well, it hurts here, too. He, ah, ooh, that hurts real bad. He says, ooh, man, that hurts so bad. And so the doctor's a little perplexed, and so he asks some questions. says, this is really strange. You have all this pain. And he asks some questions and does a few simple tests. And, and he comes back in, and he says, Tom, I'll tell you what. I think I know what's wrong with you. And Tom is pretty worried because he's thinking, what could it be? The worst thing possible. Maybe I have cancer. I've got some terrible disease. I'm going to die. I don't know what it is. And the doctor looks at him real serious and says, well, Tom, I'm not sure how to tell you this, but I think you have the worst broken finger I've ever seen. How many of you have heard that before? Probably, yeah. It's, you know, that's how we think of pain, though, sometimes. We see and we hear this idea of pain, and it just gets us in a panic, and we don't think straight because pain is scary. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. In fact, I do things on a daily basis to avoid pain. I think you do the same thing, whether you know it or not. Oftentimes, we live our lives with this kind of almost... Um, innate fear of pain. And studies have shown, actually, it's interesting, that the more we fear pain and the more we try to avoid it, the more we tend to experience pain and suffering. Pain is a real thing. Pain and sickness and suffering is a real thing that we deal with in our lives. And unfortunately, oftentimes, it's a lot more than a broken finger. It can be a broken life. It can be a sickness that eventually leads to death. It could be a sickness that we just deal with our entire life. Pain and suffering are real. And today we're going to look just a little bit at some scripture. We're going to talk just a little bit. And I hope to encourage you to say we don't have to fear pain. I'm going to pray and then we'll dive in. So God, thank you for today and thank you for, um, for this wonderful morning where we can come and we can worship you and sing songs like, I'd rather have Jesus than anything else and that Jesus is Lord of all. God, it is a privilege that we have and we are grateful for that. Um, let us not forget that, that we are blessed to be able to do that. God, I pray now as we look at your word and we read some scripture and we spend some time together that you speak to us, God, and you change our lives and so that when we leave this place, we might be just a little bit different then we walked in, that people would know we've been with Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The main text for this morning that I encourage you to turn to if you have your Bibles with you, um, it'll also be <clears throat> excuse me, up on the screen. And if you have the, uh, a smartphone, the YouVersion app is a wonderful way that you can look that up. And not only is the scripture there, but you can find the, some of the notes and things like that and offers a place for you to take notes and keep track of what's going on. Now, another neat thing about the U version, kind of a commercial there, is what's nice about that is it stays up all week long. 
And so, you know, if you're at a small group or you're at a conversation throughout the week with people and somehow something that resonated in the sermon comes up and you can't quite remember what was that verse, what was that point, what did I write down, you may not have your Bible with you, but you probably have your phone. And you can pull that up and you can look at those notes. I do that on nearly a weekly basis, and I hope you guys do as well. Please use that resource. It's wonderful. So anyway, Mark chapter 5. Let's read this together. And by the way, I want to say thank you to Jordan for leaving me this chunk of Scripture. Of all the ones in the Bible, this is a real fun one for a man to get to preach on. So chapter 5, verse 24 and following. It says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's an incredible healing story that's kind of tucked in the middle of another story of Jesus raising a dead girl. Um, and this is one of those stories where sometimes we're just like, wow, Jesus, how cool is that? That she just touched him and he, she was healed. Before we get to the really cool stuff, though, we've got to be depressed a little bit. I'm going to come and bring us back down to earth and make us remember, just so that we're perfectly clear, that sickness and pain and suffering are real. I know you probably don't need me to remind you of that because chances are excellent sometime in the last few days, in the last month, in the last year, you personally or someone you know personally struggled with it because they are in our lives each and every day. It's just a part of our life, unfortunately. I looked up a few stats, um, and one from the CDC, uh, it talked about some interesting things. Uh, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and they track all these things and make these graphs that you can't read, but there's, there's some pieces that you can pull out and understand. And one of the first ones I read talked about life expectancy. In the last 40 years, our life expectancy has gone from 72 to 78, which on the outside, you think, that's a good thing. We live longer. The problem is, our medical, our doctors and things are so good, they keep us alive longer, but that just means we oftentimes are in pain that much longer. We live longer, and so oftentimes we suffer longer. Now, I know there's also a good side to that. We live longer, we have more time with friends, more time with family, but oftentimes that's not the case. Whereas 50 or 100 years ago, if we got sick when we were 50, we died when we are 52. Now, if we get sick when we're 50, we may live another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years battling these diseases. So although it seems like a good thing, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, The percentage of adults that are diagnosed with heart disease, 11.5%, that seems like a lot. I I don't know. know, So over 1 in 10 of us in this room probably have heart disease in some form. In 2015 to 2016, the prevalence of obesity, I could be a model for this one if you would really like, has gone up by nearly 40%. You know, and so like 40% of Americans are affected by obesity. That's almost 100 million Americans would be considered obese. Now, again, that in and of itself is not necessarily the problem. 
But it's what that causes. Increased diabetes, heart disease, just incredible pain on our joints and things like that. Um, it, it's terrible pain and suffering, and that's kind of self-inflicted, unfortunately. And then, of course, the big C, cancer. We hear that on the news every day. It seems like, it seems like every week we get a call in the office, so-and-so has cancer, so-and-so is going through treatments, a new case. And it's like, what is wrong with us? And in fact, this study said that, and, and I believe they're talking about people who die from their ailments, one in four these days die directly or indirectly because of cancer. Sickness and pain and suffering is a real thing in our lives and in our world today. It was no different in Jesus' time, even though our medicine is so much better, but it was no different in Jesus' time. And um, real quick, uh, just a couple of things just to remind us that it was there in Jesus' day as well. Of the 40 or so miracles that Jesus did, over half of them dealt with healing people from sickness and pain and suffering. If you add on the resurrections, there were a few of those that goes up to you know, nearly probably 75% of his miracles dealt with people who were sick or suffering or in pain. Jesus saw it on a daily basis. The woman in our story, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. Now, guys, we can't relate to that, but ladies, can you imagine what it would be like to go through that for 12 straight years of your life with no relief? Now, Mark thankfully spares us from grisly details, but we know this was a feminine issue. We know that because of it, she was unable to have children. We know that because of her ailment, she was considered unclean. And so not only did she have the physical pain and the toll and the tiredness and the weakness that would have taken on her body, but socially she was an outcast. This woman knew what it was like to feel pain and suffering. Dozens and dozens of other people throughout the stories in the Bible that we hear of people who, who felt sick, who dealt with pain, who dealt with suffering. We live in a broken world, and that's really the bottom line. Our world is not the way it's supposed to be. And sickness and pain and suffering are here. They're in the midst of us. We could go around this room and we could talk about the ailments and the things that are wrong with our bodies. And it'd be a pretty depressing conversation because it's just part of life. The question, though, is not do we have it, not what's wrong with me and what's wrong with you, but it's how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Do you fear it? Because pain can be scary. It's not fun. Pain oftentimes leads to even worse things. So do you fear it? Do you run from it? Do you ignore it? Or do you lean into it and say, God has something planned for me? Today, I'm going to stand from this stage, and I'm going to tell you things that, that I think on paper are pretty easy to comprehend, and that's that God is bigger than the pain and the, and the sickness and the suffering that you are feeling right now. I believe that with all my heart. I believe Scripture teaches us that, but yet it's still a tough concept. So I hope you journey with me today and we leave a little bit encouraged. So let's come up out of that depressed state that the world is falling apart and our bodies are failing us miserably. Let's come out of that a little bit. And I want to look at it's point number two on your bulletin, and it says that God does not leave us in our time of need. I think this is incredibly important to remember that God does not leave you. He does not. I promise you if, you, are, if you are crying out to God, if you're looking to him, even though at times it seems like he is distant and does not answer, he has not left you. He has not left you and he will not leave you. 
The woman in the story is an incredible example of this. We don't know a lot about her, truth be told. We don't know if she really understood who this Jesus guy was or if she just had heard the stories. You know, because back in the day, there was even a belief that if you just touched the clothes of a righteous person, you know, so this wasn't an unusual thing for her that was believed that their clothes even contained the power that they would hold. And so we don't know if, if she truly believed who Jesus said he was or if she just thought he was some crazy guy that had been healing people. We don't know. But she's a great example of how a person who reached out to Jesus, quite literally, and he said, I got you. I'm not going to let you go. The truth is, Jesus had every right in the world to not. In this instance, nobody would have thought twice if he'd have said, nope, I don't need to I don't, I don't even need to acknowledge this woman. Because think about the situation. They were walking through a crowd, and you've been in a big crowd. I think of Black Friday shopping, maybe, when they first opened those doors at Target, and there's all these minivans full of moms and all these crazy stuff that I get drug along with, and I just want to find a bench to sit on, and I can barely even walk. There's so many people around. Or maybe you've been to a concert, and it's just bustling and jostling, and, and you can't go anywhere. You can't get to the bathroom. You can't get to the concession stand because there's so many people. And this is what I picture this being like, just so many people around and bumping into each other and touching people, and it's just normal. And then this woman sneaks up. And, like, I, again, I, I picture these things in my mind, you know, that she probably had her head covered. I picture her, like, totally veiled, so she was in disguise almost, and just with her head down, just sneaking and finding Jesus not looking at anyone and just reaching out and saying, if I could just touch him. And she touches him. And the thing is, it wasn't an accident that she was healed. I believe that Jesus acknowledged her at that moment. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't like, whoops, I didn't mean to do that. I can't control my healing power. It's so great. That one just slipped out of me. I'm sorry. I'll try not to do that again. I don't think that's the case. Jesus knew what was going on. The God side of him knew that this woman would be coming up. The God side of Jesus knew that this woman would be touching him, and he acknowledged that, and the power flowed out from him, and he healed her. It was not an accident. Now, he didn't have to do that because, again, this woman didn't come to him. She didn't even want to be acknowledged. Um, nobody else saw it. I love the disciples were like, seriously, dude, who touched you? Look at all these people around you. Come on, there's no way that you can feel like somebody touched you and think anything of it. And then Jesus is like, guys, you don't know who I am. I felt someone touch me. And so he stops. This woman is healed. And he says, who touched me? And finally, this woman acknowledges it. And so, and again, when we find out who this woman is, again, there's reason that Jesus could have just ignored her touch. She was a woman, for starters. In Jesus' day, that we were not considered the same class as a man if you were a woman. That's just the way it was. She had this disease that had her bleeding for 12 years, so she was, she was unclean. So anything and any person she touched in that day and age would have been considered unclean and had to go through a purifying ritual. So Jesus probably would have been like, I don't want to touch this woman. Or any other person would have said that. I don't want to touch this woman. I don't want to be a part of her. But yet, Jesus acknowledged the touch. And he called her out. And in verse 34, he says something that, that is curious but it makes all the sense in the world when you understand who Jesus is. He says, daughter. He calls her daughter. He doesn't say, why'd you touch me, woman? What you doing over here? He says, daughter. And he spoke with love and with mercy to this woman. He acknowledged 
her touch. If there's anybody that Jesus should have left alone and not listened to, it was this woman. No one would have known better. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this. says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He says, be content because I got your back. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forget about you. When life gets tough, when it feels like I'm not there, just trust me. I can hear God saying that over and over again. Just trust me. Just trust me. Know that I'm here for you. In Isaiah chapter 41, it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farther corners I called you, and I said, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we see God encouraging his people, saying, I will not leave you. In your time of need, I will not leave you. I am here. Reach for me, and I will acknowledge your touch. We don't have to fear because God will not leave us. God is on our side. Now, the real challenge here, and this is kind of, I believe, the crux of this issue, is what happens in those moments when we cry out to God, God, I'm facing this terrible thing, I'm sick, I'm suffering, whatever it is, this challenge in my life, and it seems that God does nothing. It's easy to say, oh, God said he'll be there for me, then how come he doesn't do anything? And that leads us right to to this next point here, and it says this. It says, God did not come to give us a way out of our pain and suffering, but through it. God did not come to give us a way out of pain and suffering, but through it. You know, in our main text, um, he heals this woman. You know, this was one of those instances where she cried out to God, she touched Jesus, he acknowledged her touch, and she was healed. But I think we all know, and we can probably personally attest the fact that it doesn't always work that way. There are times in our life when we cry to God and we think, This makes so much sense. It's such an easy thing. God will just answer this prayer this way. And for whatever reason, God says, no. I didn't come so that you can have a life of comfort. I didn't come so that you can have a life of ease. But I came so that you could have a good life. And I'm going to choose to see you through this one instead of just taking it away. We're going to shift gears to um, another passage that's found in 2 Corinthians. We'll spend most of the rest of our time there. And uh, this is by a man named Paul. The Apostle Paul is an incredible dude. The things that Paul went through, the things that Paul faced, and and the millions of people literally around the world who have been influenced by his life. That's the guy that wrote these words, and it's in chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and following. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Three times it's recorded here that Paul specifically says, God, take this thorn away from me. Heal me from this ailment. I'm suffering. Can't you just make me better? 
Look at in, in prior to this passage, it's talking about all this stuff that Paul had endured, the hardships and the challenges of his life. And, and we read that and think, gee whiz, God, couldn't you just help him out this one time? But yet, three times, not only did he call out, but he received an answer. God reached out and grabbed him back and said, sorry, not this time. Now, we don't know a lot about this thorn. There's lots of different theories, and we're not going to argue that today. But we do know that it's something that physically hindered him. Something that Paul had a hard time dealing with. And God said, nope, I'm not going to heal you this time. But he says, but I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to see you through it. And he says, I've already given you something, and it's my grace. My grace may not physically heal you, but it is going to give you something that's even better than a physical healing. It's going to give you a hope that will transcend all of this pain and suffering on this earth, and it will carry you through. And not only will it carry you through, but it's going to carry millions of people around the world through at the same time. Paul didn't know that at the time. Paul probably had no idea. He probably thought, man, I'm writing this letter. It's great. I hope this little church is influenced. But did he ever dream that a church in Monmouth, Illinois, would be reading his letters, reading his words, and being encouraged by it 2,000 years later? I doubt it. And yet, that's exactly what happened. When Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul had a hope that said, okay, God, I'm going to strap on and I'm going to hold on. This is going to stink. This is going to suck, but we'll get through it together. And they did. They kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going. Paul had a hope that transcended all the suffering and the pain, the things that he faced here on this earth. And what was that hope? It was Christ. It was the gospel message, the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, took our place on that cross. He said there's no way that we could do it our own. Our sin has just ruined us. It's not the sickness. It's not the things like that that ruin our lives. It's the sin in our lives. It separated us from God, and Jesus in his great love said, I'll take your place. I'll go to that cross. I'll take your sin. I'll take your shame, and I'll make you whole because it's the only way. That grace that he's talking about, that grace is sufficient. Paul understood that. There was a point in his life when he had to come to a realization and say, God's not going to take this pain, but he's given me this grace, and it's enough. Because this life will end one day, and then real life starts. Paul understood that. And it's that hope. It's that hope that Paul had that I have today and that you can have today and you can have today. That we all can have that hope that this is not the end. No matter what this life throws at us, this is not the end. There is something beyond here, something so much better than even the best of our days here. And that can get us through those moments and allow us to not fear. Our faith in God will get us through those moments may not take them away. In fact, there's a good chance they won't because God says, I've got more in store for you than a healing right now. I could, but my plan is so much bigger than a little bit of temporary relief here on this earth. And so finally, as we start to wrap up, the idea that pain and suffering provide incredible opportunities for growth. They provide opportunities for incredible growth. They truly do. And this is hard, man. I know it is. And me as a young man, relatively young man, um, I don't have a ton of life experiences. And so I speak from Scripture and I speak from stories that I've read, um, but I believe this to be true. And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because I see it in Scripture and because I see it in people. And the first one that I see is this woman in the story. We're back to this story in Mark. 
the growth that this woman had. We don't know, again, we don't know if she was a believer beforehand. I'm going to guess she probably at least heard of Jesus, heard the stories, but we don't know that she had a great relationship with him or that she'd ever met him or anything like that. In fact, probably she probably hadn't. Can you imagine the growth that would have incurred, occurred in her after this happened? She went through pain and suffering, and the first thing, that caused her to reach to Jesus. The most important thing she could do was she reached out toward Jesus. You and I can do the same thing. When pain and suffering happen, we can bury our heads in the sand and be sad, or we can reach to Jesus and say, I'm lost, I don't understand, and be like this woman and reach out, and he'll grab your hand and say, I'm with you right now, buddy. I got you. One way or another, we're going to get through this. Think about the doctors that she went back to, and they'd spent you know, hours and hours and all kinds of resources trying to fix her, and they couldn't do it. They said, you, you can't be cured. We don't know what's wrong with you. We can't fix you. She goes back and says, look what Jesus did. Think of the influence on their lives. They might not have become the believers, but they at least had to say, who is this guy? Think about the priest that she had to go to to make herself clean because for 12 years she'd been ceremonially unclean, could not take part in religious life, could not have children, could never be married, things like that. And the priest had said, sorry, lady, we can't help you. She goes to the sub, Jesus healed me, and they at the very least would be like, whoa, how did this happen? Think about any friends and family she had and the influence and how much she would have went home and talked about this Jesus guy and spread his love and spread that gospel message that Jesus is the real deal Growth opportunities. Paul, we talked about him. I mean, we don't need to say a lot more about Paul. Look what happened to him. He fought through it, and he said, God, I'm going to suffer through it with you. You just give me the strength. You give me your grace. And he says, it's when I'm the weakness that God's greatness is most seen. And like I said today, we sit here today not just because of Paul. We sit here because of Jesus. Don't hear me elevate Paul above Jesus. But, you know, Jesus is here. Paul's kind of right here. In a lot of ways, we sit here today and we read Paul's letter each and every week because we know the influence that he had because he trusted that God would get him through. And finally, Christ. Last but not least, we have this guy named Jesus Christ who taught us what it was like to endure. That's what Jesus' life was about. He came to this world to endure pain for me, for you. He went to the cross so that we wouldn't have to. You know, he understood what it was like to suffer and to have pain in his life, and he did it for us. Christ did it for us. Erwin McManus, he's a well-known pastor out in California. He had written some books and different things. And uh, just recently, he's actually he was diagnosed with cancer. I think he's in his 50s. He's not an old man by any means. And, uh, and he said this, he, he said a lot of things about it, that you could just read his story and be encouraged. But again, his name's Erwin McManus. And he said this, he said, if Jesus communicates anything to us, it's that pain is not the end of the story. Jesus endured the cross for us, not so that we could escape pain, but to show us how to get through the pain. And he modeled what we're to do. In other words, sometimes we have to bear that pain just like Christ did, because there's something on the other side of it that's even better than that momentary pain and struggle. Now, as we wind down today, again, this is on paper. It's easy to say this. It's not easy, but it's pretty easy to hear it and think, ah, that sounds good. But when the rubber hits the road, sometimes we think, that man, that woman, I can't do what she did. Erwin McManus, he's some big-time pastor. I can't have the faith that he has. Well, Jesus, well... I can't compare to Jesus. You know, so what I want to do is leave you with a story of a woman who, 
who had an incredible faith. She had a faith that honestly would rival most people that I know, and I didn't even know her that well. But in the, in the last few weeks, in the last few months, like the last years here, hearing the stories of her faith and of her life, I thought this is, if there's a child of God that gets it, it was Linda Crandall. Linda was 63 years old when she passed. She battled cancer for six years. And I'm going to guess a lot of you, well, you guys knew her because you knew her. She was family. Many people didn't even know she was sick (laughs) because of the way she carried herself, because she leaned on her faith. She had a family that was incredible. Husband, kids, brothers, sister, mom. She had a great church family. Reading through some of the things that she did in her life. She had an incredible life. And it would be pretty easy for us to ask the question, why Linda? Maybe today is the why. So that we can see. Sorry, I'm trying to get you. So that you and I can have a real life example of somebody who had a faith who was so great, wouldn't let the pain, wouldn't let the suffering, wouldn't let the sickness stop her. She could have asked over and over again, God, why? And I heard yesterday at her her celebration that she didn't. She didn't ask why. She didn't ask those questions. Instead, she would always ask, how are you doing today? What's God doing in your life? She chose, instead of fearing that pain, to lean into it, say, God, I'm going to trust you. You've given me a hope that is far greater. And think of the friends and the family and the hundreds of people, possibly thousands of people that she came across in her life and that she influenced because of her relationship. Can you imagine what this church would be like? What this community would be like if we all did that? We have the kind of faith that said, I'm not even going to let cancer stop. If we have the kind of faith that said, I don't care what the world throws at me. I want people to know this God because he's so good. I don't care what my situation is. This God is good. He says, not leave me. How about you? You might not have known Linda, but you know people like her. You living in fear? Or are you trusting in a God that is so much bigger, so much more powerful? And just like Linda, he said, I got so much more for you in store. 
than suffering on this earth. There's so much more in store for you. He's saying the same thing to you. I have more in store for you. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Let's pray. God, you're a, you're God. You're incredible. I pray this morning for strength for our people. Strength for me, strength for those of us in this room, God, for your children. That we would, that we would not just hear these words and think, ah, oh, that's good, but man, that we would be changed because of them. That we would be strengthened and, and if, I'm not a healer, but God, I, I do. I pray for healing in our lives. I pray that right now you would do that. You would heal us. You would make our bodies better because pain stinks, and we don't like it. God, we pray for healing, and, and, and legit, that's what we want. We want our bodies to be healed. You said to cry out to you with the cries of our heart, and many of us, that's it. We want to be healed. But God, even more than that, assure us of that hope that says no matter what, whether we're healed, whether we're not, whether we live longer or we pass on to this next life, that what you have in store for us is so much better. We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear sickness. We don't need to fear suffering. We don't even need to fear death because the hope that you've given to us is so much better. God, put that in our hearts today. God, thanks for what you're doing. I'm going to pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.